Well, again, welcome everyone. Take your Bibles and turn to, really turn to the book of Philippians, if you would. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 and following uh, is where we're going to focus today. We're going to look at several different things about living a thankful life. Living a thankful life. In Colossians 3, verse 17, it says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That about covers it, don't you think? And whatever you do, whatever you do, when you go to church, when you go home, when you watch football, when you eat a meal, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you do anything, that you do, because word or deed covers everything, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. With what attitude? The attitude of giving thanks. The position of giving thanks to God the Father through him. The key to me of giving thanks is contentment, is to live a life of contentment. And sometimes when it comes to being grateful and living a life of contentment, we miss obvious things. We're so focused on certain things that we miss the obvious. So in his book, in a book, uh, author Bruce Larson tells about how he took his young family on a bike ride in California. And they came across a sign on the trail that said naturalist camp and figured it would be a beautiful, scenic, natural ride through the countryside. Some of you already anticipate where I'm headed here. They soon encountered a half dozen riders that clarified for Bruce the meaning of the word naturalist. Uh, for those of you who don't know, naturalist means is a euphemism for nudist. Uh, clothing optional, and they had opted out of their clothing. All six were completely naked and didn't hesitate to ride by the Larson family, going the opposite direction, say hi and be very friendly. And suddenly Bruce was like, he, he didn't even know. So he was so shocked, he didn't even know how to confront and to speak with his family, his kids, about what they had just witnessed. The conversation quickly changed directions, though suddenly his five-year-old declared to his father, um, Dad, they're not wearing helmets. <laughs> we have so, you know, sometimes we... We miss the obvious of what's taking place. Contentment, contentment is the ability to give thanks no matter what. Contentment, Jonathan's going to dwell on that one for a while. Jonathan, the humor is to open the door. You come back after a while. <laughs> contentment is not escape from battles but rather an abiding peace and confidence in the midst of the battle. Let me, let me just clarify this. If you believe that the way to get contentment is to avoid conflict and battles, then you will never be content. Because you, as we've discussed in recent weeks, conflict is inevitable. Conflict is going to happen. Battles are assured. 
what we need to learn is how do we contentment in the word contentment is the word contain contain understanding that all that god wants for us is contained in us because his presence is in us not because we're great or not because we're self-sufficient but we can be content because we have the source of contentment contained inward. Thanksgiving is a very interesting holiday uh, for the American. We, we love Thanksgiving. It's one of the, the, many people will say Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday of the year. But we live in a society that does not a lot of giving thanks. Here's why. I, I need to live over my circumstances. I don't need my circumstances to control me. Listen, I, I have to be honest. Discontentment is jumping on me in different ways. It is easy to look at the political situation in Alabama and become discontent. It is easy to look at those who are calling themselves followers of Jesus Christ and standing on rules, standing on God's word, but then not living a life that... It is easy to become discontent. I don't know where truth lies, but somewhere in the lies is not truth. And as a result, it affects us, and we become discontent. How do I, how do I become content? How do I live a life of thanksgiving? How do I give thanks in all circumstances? knowing that this is the will of God for me. I'd like to give us some points. This is a two-part sermon. This is part one, obviously, on living a thankful life. And next week, I'll give you three more points on living a thankful life. I decided to stretch it for, you know, normally uh, I would cram it all in one sermon, but I want us to really be thankful. So I've split it into two, and we can relax and look at it together. So point one is this, learn to be content. Learn to be content. In this idea is this. You are me or anyone, we are not born content. We have to learn it. We have to learn how to be content. Paul says this, and we're going to walk through this Philippians 4 passage together. Philippians 4.10 says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, and I'm not going to get into the whole Philippian situation. I'm not going to take it apart. There had been kind of a division. They're back together. Paul's happy about that. Uh, indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And, he, and he's, he goes on and says this. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. We need to learn to be content. Do you know, being critical or discontent is no great talent. Uh, it, it really, it, it doesn't take, it, there is no spiritual gift of criticalness or discontentment because you don't need that gift. You're born with that position, really. And what we need to do is to learn to be content. And we need to understand that true happiness and fulfillment can only come from seeking the fullness of the Lord. If you seek happiness in any other way, 
you're eventually going to become discontent. Or, see if you can hang with me just for a second. I know you can. Uh, it's this. Whatever you're going for, for contentment and happiness, when you get it, if you get it, you will discover what you were looking for is not there. It's one of the great truths. People who strive for more money, for instance, a position, a power, a place, once they get to what their goal was, what they learn is contentment is not on that mountaintop. And as a result, they then become discontent. And many people become disillusioned. <clears throat> for instance, many people who are single say, you know, I would be content if I could just find a spouse. You know, my, my life is incomplete. I just need to get married, and then I would be happy, and then I would be content. Then they get married, and they find it's not exactly what they thought it was going to be because that's not their source of contentment. And then they start saying things like this, Oh, if I could just have children, then I would be fulfilled. Then I would be content. And then they have children. And what do they discover? It's not all it's cracked up to be. And then they start saying, if I could just get rid of these children. <laughs> if they would just grow up and leave the house, then I would be content. You understand, no matter what happens... You just discover at every level discontentment because you are the source of discontentment, not them. It's in you, and so you have to learn to be content. And the line between contentment and discontentment, it's like this. You can move from one to the other in two seconds. And I'll give you an example. This morning, I was drinking coffee, I went by Starbucks, got a cup of coffee, brought it to the office, um, heated it up in the microwave because, you know, it got cold between Starbucks and here. So I heated it up, put it in my fullness mug. I'm sitting at the, my desk. I'd already read through the sermon once and was doing some things. And um, I, I saw at my desk a new Time magazine had just come in uh, this weekend. It was uh, the greatest inventions of 2017, like the top 20 inventions of 2017. So I'm drinking my coffee out of my fullness mug. And suddenly, I find, I've got one other passage, but I'll come back to it in just a second. I find this mug as one of the great inventions of 2017. Now, in case you wondered, this is called the Ember Mug. And um, by, by most estimates, I didn't even know this, and I'm a, I love coffee, but by most estimates, the favorite temperature to drink coffee is 135 degrees. Uh, most hot, hot coffee is served at 160 degrees. 135 is the most comfortable, which according to statistics say once you put it in a mug, you have 37 seconds to drink the coffee before it's no longer the perfect temperature. 37... <laughs> So they've now made a mug that will keep your coffee at 135 degrees for an hour. An hour. And then it, because it's, 
And then it's got a little charging plate. You can just put it on it and it'll go forever. And it's got an app where you can adjust the temperature of the coffee in your mug if you want it. And suddenly I'm looking at my fullness mug and my coffee and I'm like, what the heck is this? I went from content to discontent when I didn't even know this mug existed 15 minutes ago. That's the way we live our lives. Any, by the way, does anybody need a fullness mug? Anybody not have one? Really? Anybody not have one? Here you go, Kinsey. Thank you. That's, that's Tracy. We have others, too. They're only uh, about $60 a piece because I need to buy this mug. So if you want to see me come afterwards... Actually, it's $80. Uh, $80 for this, this mug. They're sold at Starbucks. Uh, Christmas is coming, and my birthday is December 29th. <laughs> in case you wondered. And I'm sure Pastor Appreciation Day is somewhere along this time. <laughs> First Thessalonians says this. Be joyful how much of the time? Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Always praying, joyful, giving thanks. It's God's will. One of the reasons we have trouble learning to be content is because we've got other stuff crowding the way. And Paul says in Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And I threw this passage in just to say this. Look, one of the reasons we're not content is because we're full of other stuff. And Paul is saying, get rid of this stuff. You can't, you can't ever be angry enough to get rid of unforgiveness. Are you with me? There's a scene in Forrest Gump. Do, do you all remember Forrest Gump? Yeah, I don't quote every line to me, but um, there, there's one of my favorite scenes where he, he's always in love with, do you remember? Jenny. And uh, so he's in love with Jenny, and he's known her since she was a little girl. She's abused by her drunken father, and, you know, Forrest doesn't, he's kind of clueless on what's going on around him in the world, but they're grown up, and they go back to the house where she was raised, and she looks at the house, it's empty now, and she just starts picking up rocks and throwing them in rage at the house, busting out the windows, and then she just sits down and cries. And Forrest says something like, sometimes there just aren't enough rocks. It's a powerful scene to me of, of her trying to get rid of the rage and anger and bitterness and hurt that she has from the abuse of her life, of throwing rocks at the house and it's not sometimes there aren't enough rocks. There never are enough rocks for us to vent. Instead, we need, we need to get rid of by replacing with the love of Christ. And when we do, then we can understand what it means to be grateful. Because we're ungrateful because we see, we see things like we deserve better. We deserve this and not this. I remember when I used to take my kids to McDonald's. 
I don't go there anymore uh, much. I did go there about a month ago. I just was craving a quarter pounder. And <clears throat> my wife and her thankfulness said, you know, it's going to make you sick. And it didn't. And I really liked it. And anyway, so, but I went to, we used to go to McDonald's. You know, you go to McDonald's and you buy your kids these meals and, and you decide you're not going to buy fries for you because you're going to save yourself some cash. So we'll buy the kids some fries, buy them some fries. And then you give them the fries and you say to them, hey, can I have a fry? No, don't take my fries. Hey, wait a minute. Do you get it? They didn't spend a penny. I bought the fries and gave them to them. Now I'm asking for one back, and they say, don't take my fries. The gall. But do you know that's how we see God many times? We're like, oh, don't take, don't take my thing from me. We become discontent because we don't understand God owns it all. We're just like the child at McDonald's who says, don't take my fries. Now, the thing may be a bigger in our eyes, but we, we, how do you learn to be content by seeing God as the source of everything and that everything comes as a gift from him? And as he fills your life, it, it, it gets rid of the bitterness and anger and rage and it's replaced by him. We, we, we need to hang on to Psalm 104 that says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Give thanks in all circumstances. Because you can have the exact same circumstance looking you at the face and react to it in different ways. One way is contentment and thanksgiving, and the other one is discontent. One, I mean, think about two different couples or one couple with two different attitudes. One says, you know what? He doesn't meet my needs. I'm going to find someone else. He's not perfect. He doesn't do everything I want him to do. And the other one who says, you know what? He's not perfect, but I am so grateful for the life that we have together. I rejoice in God for the gift that he's given me in this spouse. Because let me just say this. No one is going to be perfect. No one is going to meet all your needs. As a matter of fact, God doesn't intend for them to. He intends to be the source of your every need. But your attitude, your, your view on learning to be content will affect your life. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of lips that confess his name. Saying thank you can be a sacrifice, actually. It's a sacrifice of praise. Because it's not the easiest thing to always give thanks. It's a battle. You have to learn. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help us understand. It's not going to come. You have to learn a position of contentment. Paul goes on and says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Any and every situation, I have learned to be content. You get the point? Learn to be content. As a matter of fact, today, 
Start the journey of your education, of learning to be content. How? Leads me to the second point. Lean on his strength. Lean on his strength. Paul says in verse 13 of Philippians 4, I'm just going through the passage. Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Have you ever thought that this passage, we love this verse, don't we? I can do everything through him who gives me strength. What is Paul? Specifically, Paul is talking about being content. I have learned to be content. I've learned to be content in every situation. How? Because he gives me strength. He gives me strength. He depended on Christ for his strength. I believe there's a mark of a level of maturity that comes when we understand that we depend on him for everything, every situation, because I can't handle it by myself. I don't know what's going on. We check our PowerPoint every Sunday morning right before church, and then Michelle messes it up right when we start. He screws the whole thing up, and I don't know what happens to it. <clears throat> I'm just kidding, Michelle. I woke Michelle up, though. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going it, to... It, it's all messed up. I'm just going to read this. I am the vine, this is Jesus saying, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll do what? Bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So think of it in this way. <clears throat> Jesus is saying, look, stay in me, abide in me, remain in me. When you do, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. But when you don't, what do you get? Nada. Zip. Nothing. So... Here's the point on contentment. With Jesus, you can learn to be content and live a fruit-bearing life. Apart from Jesus, you will never learn contentment. You will not be content. So we have to lean on his strength. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, says this, To keep me from becoming conceited, because of these surpassing great revelations, he, he talks about how he was transported, got this incredible vision from God and uh, the third heaven, and God told him not to tell anybody. And, and then he goes on to say, hey, to keep me from becoming conceited about these revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? In weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul is delighting in. He's giving gratitude. He's finding contentment in his weaknesses. Why? Because in it, God is providing for him the strength to be who he's supposed to be. We need to lean on him. Here's the point. 
What situations are you going through in your life right now that really edge you toward discontentment that you're struggling with? Here's what I want to encourage you to do is to lean into him. Find, it's an incredible passage if you think about it, where Paul says, look, whatever this thorn in the flesh is, we can speculate and much has been made of this. Could be physical, could be people, could be marital, could be, we don't, I mean, there's been speculation throughout history what this thorn in the flesh. But whatever it is, three times Paul prayed to take it away. Three times he went to the front and got the ministry team to pray for him. You know what I mean? He, he went, and finally God said, hey, quit going, because I'm not taking this away. Do you know, some, we struggle with that theologically. We struggle with that idea. Wait a minute, because God is saying, look, I, if I take this away, then you're going to become conceited. Rather than that, I want you to always lean into me. I want you to be strong. This goes directly against what the prosperity doctrine would have us believe in this country. God doesn't want you to be necessarily healthy, wealthy, and wise. He wants you to be leaning into him at every moment of every day. Because in his strength, he can provide for your weakness. And in that, we need to learn to be content. You know, to be honest, Pastoring didn't exactly turn out like I expected it to. I mean, there are great things about being a pastor. And honestly, there's no better church to be a pastor of than the one that I'm pastor of, I believe. I mean, this is a great people with a... It's awesome. But as I've said in recent weeks, we are messed up people. I mean, you just look to your left or right, and you'll see a messed up person in some way. Now, don't look at them right now. <clears throat> you might have to look behind you or just tap someone on the shoulder to really find someone messed up. But, you know, we're, why? Because we're all messed up people. And being a pastor of messed up people, you can either, because you're messed up yourself, I, I'm messed up in my own way. In that, I look around, and, 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 and it's easy to become discontent. I mean, I, I had these ideals of what fullness was going to look like, where every marriage was going to be unbelievably fulfilling for the couple and their kids. All our kids would grow up, and every single one of them would love Jesus and serve him. And now I'm just trying to keep a lot of marriages together. Forget the goal of being happy in it. Just stay together. Then find contentment. You understand? And in that, it jumps on you. And pretty soon you start to think, I am a failure at this pastor thing. I, and then at some point I have to say, hey, wait a minute. This actually isn't about me. This is about him and his work in our lives together. And it is easy to drop your eyes, so to speak, and to quit looking at him and relying on his strength and to think you're something special or the people that you're around are something special. 
Listen, everything short of him is going to lead to discontentment at some point, as I said earlier. Lean into him. Final point, third point. Live to be a blessing. Live to be a blessing. So, if we have to learn to be content, and by learning to be content, we lean into his strength, then the outcome of contentment, not really the outcome, but one of the ways we're content is when we understand that it's not about us getting to get content, it's about us giving that brings contentment. I didn't get quite as many amens on that one. It is so true that in giving away, we learn to be, You want to know how to, to break the spirit of greedy selfishness that's on you and on every one of us? Start giving it away. Start giving it away. Uh, Philippians 4.14, I'm just going straight through the passage again. Paul says, I've learned to be content. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And then he goes on and says, hey, it was good of you to share in my troubles. What is he saying? Your sharing brings contentment to you. Not to me, but to you it's bringing contentment. The church in Philippi, Paul had already said to them, this is addressed to them, he's, this is addressed to the church in Corinth, but he's talking about the church in Philippi when he says, and now, brothers, we want you to know, without the grace that God had given the Macedonian churches, that's the one in Philippi, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. He's saying, look, they were, they were impoverished, but they gave. And when you give, and when you're a blessing to others, I think is when you find out that it'll, it'll stir up a level of God is my provider that in turn results in greater contentment. We're entering the Christmas season. We're entering the Christmas season where so many times... It's like that Time magazine where the mug on it I was showing you earlier. You know, if you watch enough football, the commercials are going to make you become discontent. I mean, really, just football or anything. You just watch anything. Every commercial is geared toward making you become what? Discontent. Because contentment is going to be found. I would look so good in that car. If I could just have that car, I'd look good. Or that clothes. I, I don't look good because I don't have those. You, do you understand? Everything is geared toward creating a discontentment in you so that you'll go spend your dollars and buy that thing. We need to understand that it's not in buying that we're going to find contentment, but really, ultimately, in the strength of the Lord, when we learn to give away, we'll start to find contentment. D.L. Moody was a famous preacher of the 1800s, very practical man, and he once went to a prayer meeting with a group of Christian businessmen, and Moody overheard them praying for a church in their area that needed $1,500 for a special need. And so they're praying to God with all their heart that God would provide the $1,500 for the need of that church. And Moody walks in, he interrupts the prayer meeting, and he says to them, 
every single one of you in here is a businessman who God is well provided for, and any one of you could write a check right now for $1,500. So quit praying to God to give the $1,500, write the check, and then begin praising God that he provided. We need more people like that. To say, quit hoarding what God has given you Quit necessarily praying that God would provide when he's already provided and start giving stuff away to be a blessing. I mean, really, people. The homes, the cars, the clothes, the stuff we drive and have right now, we have absolutely no reason to be discontent with what God has given us. Instead, if we'll learn to be a blessing, it will break off of us the greedy spirit that so many times jumps on us. Because from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Steve Brown, in his book, uh, Jumping Hurdles, Hitching, Hitting Glitches, Overcoming Setbacks, says this, the most unhappy person in the world is not someone who didn't get what he or she wanted. The most unhappy person is the one who got what he or she wanted and then found out that it wasn't as wonderful as expected. The secret of a happy life is not to get what you want, but to live with what you've got. Most of us spend our lives concentrating on what we don't have instead of thanking God for what we do have. Then we wake up, our life is over, and we miss the beauty of the present. As you enter this week of Thanksgiving, where we take a day and just celebrate, I want to encourage you to, whatever you do, in word or deed, always to live a life of thanks to God the Father understanding that we do it all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The thankful life. The grateful life. It is a transformed life. Lord, we thank you. We say thanks. Because, God, you have provided incredibly for all of our needs. And Lord, we live today according to your riches and glory. We thank you with all that we are because of your provision in our lives. Lord, there's some of us here today who just need to repent for being discontent, unhappy, and ungrateful. And Lord, not in guilt not as a guilty conscience, but because we know this, you don't want us to live like that. So Lord, today, we pray that Holy Spirit, you would just stir in us the attitude of gratefulness, the spirit of thankfulness. Lord, we, may we begin to focus on what we have, your power and presence within us, and how we can give away to be a blessing to others, learning to be content. Lord, we say thank you. We bless you. 
We rejoice in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going to have a lot of opportunities to really practice this this week. So uh, not only that, but come next week, and we'll pick up right here. And hopefully I'll share with you some more things that will help you in the journey of the thankful life.